People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. This is the Under the Visor podcast. From the OU Insider Studios, here's your host, Brandon Drum. Well, welcome to another, well, the inaugural 2020 college football season for the University of Oklahoma, the OU Insider postgame podcast. I'm Brandon Drum, lead team and recruiting analyst. I have my assistant lead team and recruiting analyst, Colin Kennedy, and our editor and chief, the man, Joey Helmer, with us. Uh, Guys, 48-0 win. I know it was an FCS, but... I, initial takeaways from you guys. I know everybody wants to talk Rattler, the defense. Was there anything surprising at, at all when it comes to, I guess, the game last night? Because it was pretty chalk in my opinion, but there was a couple of guys that, in my mind, stood out that weren't talked about a lot prior to the season. Colin, um, how you know, here's – what. I know Brandon and I late during that game, there, there was pretty much one thing we were keeping an eye on, right? There were two <laughs> yards away. Yeah. And there was, uh, I think some people that were maybe upset Oklahoma didn't call timeout and do something or run another play. Um, but what man, they, you know, in, in my opinion, I, I thought they did everything that they needed to do in that game. We knew it was going to be a blowout. I was really impressed with uh, the fact that the defense was able to keep a shutout. Um, yeah. Obviously, Missouri State missed a field goal that um, would have ended the shutout. But I-, I thought they were incredibly motivated throughout the game. And that's hard to do sometimes when you're playing a team as inferior as this team that Oklahoma is playing. Uh, one of the worst, the worst opponent I think I have ever seen them play. And for them to stay uh, committed to the process throughout the game, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah. And everyone's going to obviously want to talk about the pure star of the game, Spencer Rattler. And so you guys mentioned that the unfortunate lack of covering the spread here is probably what made a lot of fans a little bit angry, especially when they got rent payments coming up here pretty soon. So I told (laughs) myself, I'm going to make sure I cheer everybody up. So, Normally, I'm on the field. I don't get to be very engaged with what's going on outside of what's taking place in Norman, Oklahoma. And so I told myself, I'm going to make sure that I have a little treat for the fans whenever we get this recorded. And I got something for you. Oh, uh, here we go. Joey, <laughs> Joey's cheesing because he knows what I'm going to say. So going into this weekend, obviously, Oklahoma and the other premier program, you could say, in the Big 12, Texas, were playing teams that are, to be blunt, god-awful. Some of the worst right. programs. I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, that being said, going into these games, Sam Ellinger, a senior for the Texas Longhorns starting quarterback, had a career high of four touchdown passes and a half. 
a lot of you will already be perking your eyebrows because you know where I'm going. He obviously threw for five touchdowns in the first half against UTEP. But when he hit four, he tied his career high, and he became, again, the second quarterback in Texas program history to throw for four touchdowns in a first half of action. The other one to do that, guys, was Vince Young. So in other words, Spencer Rattler, with his four touchdowns in the first half, basically became one of the best quarterbacks in Texas program history in his first career start. It just took the star of Vince Young and a senior in Sam Ellinger to join that company. Uh, Rattler was incredible, but obviously, when you look at some of the tools around him, it, for me, was very encouraging to see so many young guys get involved in the game. And that's what these outings are all about, right? I mean, Marvin Mims, I was so happy for that dude. He is a class act, a really bright future kind of kid. He absolutely showed out. Rambo gave us a glimpse of what, what might be in the future. And then, I mean, hey, how about some of those other quarterbacks? Mordecai got in, probably not looked as great as what he had hoped. And Chandler Morris was scooting around a little bit. So overall, I think Joey hit the high notes. But for me, it was really great to see some of the other pieces on the roster get involved, especially with so many guys being out. Yeah, um, I'm with you guys. I, all the guys you named played great. Uh, for me, Isaiah Thomas and yeah. Brian Osamoa um, really had big gaze. I mean, I, look, nobody really talked about either one of those two leading up throughout the, the – we have on OU Insider and we talked about how – Isaiah Thomas, and if you've been on our VIP board, you saw some of the notes I put up about he is he does he slides inside and outside. He's very versatile. Grinch couldn't talk. I don't know how much more glowing. When I asked that question last night about uh, Isaiah Thomas, he was like, "Man, that dude just gets after it each and every day in practice. He's the type of coach player that you want to coach day in and day out. He he's finally getting it, and on top of that." He's playing really well. Yes, it was FCS school. Yes, it wasn't a very talented team. But you still have to go out there and make plays. You can go out there with a mindset of, I'm better than you and I'm going to do this and that to you. And it doesn't happen. He went on the mindset is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And I'm going to show everybody how hard I've been working in the offseason. And he even talked about it during the the pressers uh, leading up to the game this past week when we were, we got to talk to him. He said, it's my turn. I've got to be a leader on this team. I've got to show out. And he did just that in game one. So to help a team, your defense, have a shutout and a 48-0 win, what more? And then Brian Osamoa's first quarter was one of the best first quarters I've seen a linebacker have in a long time at OU. And I know we had Kenneth Murray last year. And in 2018, that Army, him and Curtis Bolton played ridiculous against that Army team. They had amazing games. But that guy had six tackles in the first half, two of them for loss. And I, Joey and I were talking about it in the game. I turned and said, that, who is this guy? He's freaking good. Like, and he was playing. He just pinned his ears back, and he's played. And you can tell there's a different sort of confidence with him. And I think that was – that's huge. When everybody thought that Deshaun White was going to be the leader of that linebacking core – to have somebody else that he can lean on now that Caleb Kelly's out for the season, that's big time for Oklahoma going forward. That means they have depth. And then you got David Uwegbu who played really well. Uh, just I thought the linebackers in general, even Mr. Walk-On Brian Mead, 
who's now on scholarship. He played pretty good as well. I mean, he got a sack or half a sack. Um, I, I really thought Nick Benito, just the defense as a whole, to see how fast they played in the start of year two of the Speed D under Alex Grinch, that was huge. And as you all name, Marvin Mims, uh, Charleston Rambo, um, Austin Stogner made a couple of – that one snag across the middle was ridiculous. Um, he may have that one drop, but Spencer kind of zinged that in there. <laughs> he was only like three yards from Spencer, and Spencer threw a, a Roger Clemen rocket <laughs> fastball at him. So I didn't – I didn't. There was, I mean, it sucked that he dropped it if you're Austin, but it, that's a hard catch. People don't realize how hard that is, especially going across the middle full speed like that. Um, and obviously Spencer Rattler, yes, FCS team. But the lack of effort that it looks when he throws the ball, especially those deep balls, the way it comes out of his hand, that's just stupid. That's not right. So everything that we've been talking about, and I've, um, my son, his, his, his little league coach is a quarterback coach in high school, and they have a quarterback just averaging 400 yards a game. They run the true spread. And the first thing he said to me, he goes, that Rattler can throw the ball at so many different angles. And that's kind of an underrated trait to have as a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes kind of made it famous, but Spencer Rattler does it not as well, but he does it really well. And that's an underrated trait to have if you're a quarterback, being able to throw accurate at so many different angles. And he showed that the other night. I thought that was a something interesting to look forward. But I guess for you guys moving forward to this team, what do you what are you most looking forward to? after you've seen what we saw the other now, obviously missing 19 guys with COVID or contact tracing, not to mention the three suspensions and the injuries, but outside of the guys coming back in two weeks. And from what I'm told, OU set pretty well set uh, for the rest of the season in that two deep outside of a few guys, everybody has had COVID. So they're good to go until December. So that's that's big. That's big moving forward. But outside of that, what are you all looking forward? I guess, Colin, we'll start with you real quick. But what are you looking forward to as Oklahoma progresses through this year? A weird year, but nonetheless, a college football season that we didn't think we were going to get to have. What are you looking most forward to? Yeah, I think one guy that I, we really need to touch on is kind of the subject of what I'm – really interested in Seth McGowan obviously had mm -hmm. an incredible first outing but Marcus Major didn't really surprise anybody coming out even though he had a bunch of preseason praise that running back position is still a huge question mark and obviously the depth concerns there were something of note going into this game I think I was a little bit encouraged by what McGowan was able to produce and maybe a little bit I don't want to say disappointed but I definitely raised an eyebrow at Marcus Major averaging just 2.8 a carry. I, I feel like that running back group is something that still needs to be established in terms of roles. So I, I'm going against some of the more premier competition in the big 12, obviously Kansas state coming off a rough loss. Joe Klanderman is a new defensive coordinator there. He's going to try to be a little bit more aggressive this season. I want to see how those young running backs bounce back from this outing. And I want to see if Seth McGowan can continue to be as efficient as he was. I mean, just became what the seventh running back in OU program history to score in his first career carry. And from there, he was simply dominant. If he can keep that up, even being a true freshman, it's going to have to be the presence that OU leans on going into the season. 
I'm looking forward to seeing Spencer Rattler when he's in a situation where, because it's going to happen at some point, right? Like things aren't going to hundred percent go his way. Maybe he makes a mistake. And how does he in the offense bounce back? I expect him to bounce back. Great. And, and I know for you guys, you know, we, we saw him uh, when he was at the opening a couple of years ago and, I didn't ever have a chance to see Kyler Murray play live, but Spencer Rattler is the best quarterback that I have ever seen at the high school level throw the football in a live situation. I mean, the way he uh, put on with um, all those guys at the opening, to, uh, to me, you know, I was not surprised by how effortless, like you said, Brandon, I thought that's the perfect way to put it, effortless. Like, he looks back and he throws a 45-yard pass, and it looks like he's barely throwing it. I mean, it, he's he just spins the heck out of the ball, and it's so beautiful to watch. And um, I, I don't think that was a surprise to the three of us that got a chance to see him at the high school level, kind of the transformation that he's already starting to make. Um, you see the leadership with the guys, um, how, how they gravitate towards him. And I thought you um, also brought up the Stogner play. I think maybe his best throw of the game might have been uh, the pass that Rambo wasn't able to come up with in the end zone. That should have been a touchdown. Oh my gosh. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Absolutely lays that ball in there. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Like this guy, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're not surprised, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, he, he can make these throws. I don't care that it's Missouri state that they were playing against. Like these throws, if he makes these throws in big games, doesn't matter who's defending them. They're, they're going to be great throws, and they're going to be uh, NFL scoring-type throws. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I was really impressed. And, again, I think with the running back situation, guys, it was interesting to see uh, McGowan get the first touchdown. He comes in there and scores. That I, I think Seth McGowan's going to be a special, special player for Oklahoma, and uh, I don't think it's going to take too long for him to become that special player. Yeah, and I would love to add something real quick on that. I feel like when you talk about Spencer, you guys both brought up some points that I think we can really emphasize. When you play a team this terrible, yes, you don't want to overvalue the outing. But I think, Brandon, when you talk about the arm angles and Joey, when you talk about some of the accuracy and touch that he provided, those are verifiable, tangible results that you can actually quantify in these kind of games. And taking into consideration what he showed some of those touch passes, some of the ways he was able to create in some difficult situations. That's important for what you're talking about, Joey, how will he handle some of the bigger stages? And as I mentioned, I mean, his next game is going to be against Kansas state, a team with a chip on his shoulder and Clinton. like I, I mentioned, he's going to bring a lot more linebacker blitz. And I thought Kansas state's cornerbacks did a pretty good job in coverage this weekend. It just, they got absolutely mossed by one of the better wide receivers in college football. So knowing he's not going to have those tight windows and knowing he's going to see some pressure, that's where some of those things that you guys picked up on will really come into play. And that's why I'm so encouraged moving forward for Spencer Rattler. Yeah, no, I, a couple of things you all touched on. Um, first, the run game and the running backs. Yeah. I think we all can agree. McGowan flashed a little bit more, but here's the deal. And neither one kind of blew you away. Like, yeah, I, I think you could see flashes in both of them where there were times when Marcus Major turned a zero yard run into five or six yards. And I think some of the, one of the most underrated aspects of this ball game was 
Oakland was missing like six or seven linemen. I mean, like it was <laughs> Riley even joked. I mean, I think a reporter came in there and said, well, you guys were missing three guys on your two deep. And he goes three. I wish it was just three like joking about how many offensive linemen were out and there's guys playing positions. They don't play normally. So Bray Walker at right tackle, like he doesn't play tackle. He hasn't played tackle at Oklahoma since he arrived. He's been a guard, right? So there's, there were guys playing different positions in places that they're not normally going to play. And that has a lot to do with the fact that so many guys were out with COVID or contact tracing one or the other. And that hurts. So you're going to get all these guys back. You should be almost close to hundred percent outside of the suspensions and injuries, right? You got two weeks off. And even if somebody was to get COVID right now, they're going to be good to go uh, come time for the K-State game. So that's another plus right now. So you're kind of right, wanting all this to get, I know it's a weird thing to say, wanting to get all of this done with, you know what I mean? So uh, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that, can y'all hear me? Okay. By the way. Yeah. Actually loud clear. Okay, cool. I'm just hearing like something weird. So, okay. No, I, I, it's just, I think that's going to help the run game. Obviously, getting TJ Pledger back, who was named the starter, is going to help the run game. You're going to have three guys in the rotation. And getting a guy that is completely different than what McGowan and Major is to be that change of pace guy like like Pledger, that's going to help out as well with all those guys. So I don't know that the running backs really got a fair shot. I know people are hating on it, but I'm like, you know, they're missing so many guys on the line, guys that Oklahoma intended to play this week and intended to be in spots like Harrison, Rain. Uh, did anybody, did, was Ely, was he out there? Is it, Ely was out there. Okay. I thought he was left tackle, right? So, yeah, so uh, my big thing there, Brandon, you talked about is like, yes, there were a lot of guys in the offensive line missing and Anton Harrison being a starter. But I mean, right. Swenson at right Wilkins, tackle. Adrian, Wilkins was gone. Yeah, yeah, but obviously they were they were able to put Swenson at right, Ely at left, and then those interior offensive linemen were all still together. It, I, I definitely see your point. I'm also still pretty concerned because those are all guys with starts under their belt in the offensive Yeah, line. no, like absolutely. Kind of struggled to create at times. So it's just something of note right now, man. But I mean, to your point as well, I, now's the time to, to have people out. I mean, that mm -hmm. now's the time to get these other guys experience against the Missouri State squad that obviously isn't very good. And then once everyone returns and some of these guys actually have the opportunity to go out and see what real-life competition is like, it's only going to benefit them. And, again, they'll be able to go forward with that and a full squad. Well, I, one last thing real quick. And I think this kind of – I talked to somebody last night, a source, and he was like, you know – K-State, yeah, they lost. Tough loss to Arkansas State, but they're, the Oklahoma is well aware of how good that defensive front for K-State can be. And um, was basically told, hey, you know, they're going to come in pissed. And But at the same time, Oklahoma is also going to go into this game pissed because it was their only loss during the season last year. It was K-State, right? So... 
there's that revenge factor thing for Oklahoma. And then obviously K-State not wanting to go back to back in the loss column. Uh, so it's going to be an intriguing game. I think K-State is better than a lot of people think they are after this Arkansas State game. Uh, I think that there was a lot of trap games for a lot of these. Cause it wasn't like Arkansas state's a really good team. Like uh, they win a lot of games, right? I know they're a G five program, but they're a really good G five program. Um, very talented. They get a lot of transfers from a lot of big time programs. So up there, Blake Anderson does a great job as a head coach there. I think he's, and he's, he's well-respected throughout the college football world, especially for being such a remarkable coach. Um, so, yeah, it's a black eye on the Big 12. But Arkansas State, I guess, doesn't get the credit that I think they deserve a little bit. Um, obviously, Kansas looking bad. Iowa State, that was awful. Iowa State, um, the, the Big 12 had some black eyes. But at the same time, we all kind of thought it ran through four teams this year. And that was Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, right? I mean, we thought those were the four top teams. Iowa State, for some odd reasons, getting love because they had Brock Purdy back. But they play awful every year to start the season. Every freaking year, they start out bad. They, they start out with a loss, whether it's to Iowa or whoever. They start out with the L. It's the weirdest thing with Iowa State, but that's who they are. Um, so I expect them to be a lot better. I don't, I'm, I'm sure you all do too, as the season progresses, um, defensively for you guys, did you guys see anything that was cause for concern or do you guys kind of feel like this defense is on another level than they were starting last year? Even without Gallimore, even, even without Gallimore and K9. Well, I, I would be interested to hear Joey's take on this, but honestly, it's hard for me to truly evaluate the Very true. standpoint right now because, I mean, again, that Missouri State team as a whole was terrible. They were awful. Mm-hmm. The offense, they had several either redshirt freshmen or freshmen or sophomores on the quarterback chart. It just wasn't a squad that really terrified you. They had a bunch of really big perimeter players, which was kind of the key for me going into this game, how would they handle some of the size and those weapons from Missouri state? But I mean, when you pitch a shutout against an FCS squad that I think won a single game last year, you just kind of roll with it and see what happens next. I I think the fact that Oklahoma was able to record around four sacks last night was pretty encouraging in my opinion, because I was kind of keying in on maybe how that defensive front was going to handle some of the depth perspective issues. But, I mean, outside of that, it's just hard for me to really evaluate probably the defense as a whole right now. I would say, if anything, the offense is probably easier to evaluate than the defense after this game. Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. You know, it's uh, I, I, I thought, though, that the signs were there. Uh, I, there were a couple plays you guys talked about, Osamoa, um, in the first half of the game to where – you know, you can see it from up above, right? Like when we're in the press box, you can see kind of the plays developing and you saw the hole and to see Osamoa fill the hole and get in the backfield on one of those plays, it was like, oh man, like this is what we're talking about, speed defense right here. Um, I thought 
if you're trying to pull away a negative, because listen, we're always pulling away negatives in these situations. There were several times when uh, Oklahoma could have had turnovers early in the game. A few dropped interceptions. We saw that last year. That was a problem, but uh, Delarian Turner yell is able to come up with an interception in the second half. So that's a positive uh, that they were able to get on the board there. They're going to have to be uh, better in that regard and force more than 11 turnovers. But uh, Colin is right. You know, there's only so much that you can judge uh, based off this game um, on, on that side of the ball, I think, just based on the inferiority of um, what the other offense is posing for you. So, um, you know, long story short, I think you have to be satisfied, though, with, with what you saw. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you guys said. I think more or less it's it's one of those games uh, it seemed like a tune-up to what was to come for the rest of the 2020 season. Um, and Oklahoma, you could tell, treated as such. They were really working on their passing game. They were really working on uh, trying to get some guys down the field, just trying to – give some film for K-State to have to work on because you know there's going to be some tricks. There's going to be some wrinkles that Riley's going to throw at people that we haven't seen yet. And that's going to happen throughout the rest of the season. So uh, Riley Riley plays a lot of chess with people. And sometimes they're playing checkers. A lot of time they're playing checkers with him because he's always a couple of moves ahead of everybody else. And it kind of looked like that's what he was setting himself up for. Uh, the way that they ran a couple of plays, it looked like, there was some other wrinkles that could be done. Uh, one in particular was Mordecai in the third quarter threw an out route to, I want to say it was Mims or somebody, and he had Trevin West backside post wide open. Now, if Rattler's in there in that game, I guarantee he's rolling left and throwing backside right across to that backside post. Um, and he, I mean, he had his guy beat by six, seven yards would have walked into the end zone and it, it's things like that, that kind of helps you see, okay, you know, even against an FCS team, there's things they can work on offensively outside of the run game. The passing game looks spectacular and we haven't even talked about Chandler Morris. Cause I thought he was better than Mordecai in that limited amount of time. He was better than Mordecai. Now, was that because Mordecai has been out for the majority of the time? Probably. Uh, it looked like Morris was more comfortable back there. He, he didn't force things. That interception in the end zone was awful. It was a horrible decision. All he had to do was throw it away and give themselves a chance to, to kick a field goal and or go for it on what was it, on the two or three yard line. I mean, it was awful. And with Morris, I think he uses his legs and he's going to make that in. So I don't know. I, I think there's even some things that the coaches can look at right now and go, okay, maybe we need to look at Morris as the number two quarterback instead of the number three. Um, and all of that, I think is semantics because Rattlers was so good, but uh, I'm interested to see, like Colin said, how is he going to handle the pass rush of Kansas State? Because you know their defensive front's usually pretty salty. How is he going to handle the tight windows? Uh, and as Joey said, those balls that he threw were going to be good even in tight windows. But I, 
I think there's a lot we can learn two weeks from now. We're going to have a better judge of this team, regardless of Kansas State losing to Arkansas State. It's still going to be a bigger challenge. You're still going to see a lot more problems given to Oklahoma from K-State than Missouri State could even fathom giving. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of learning that's going to happen with the 2020 team, but the recruiting, you can tell the talents there. It's young, but it's there. You're, they're longer. They're deeper at a lot of positions. Um, it's better than it was in 2019 as far as the backups go. So uh, Oklahoma has that going for them. Grinch, you can tell it's more comfortable. And the, the turnovers, they, they should have like four. And they only had one. I mean, Grinch joked they would have had a coronary heart attack if he wouldn't. He wouldn't have had that that last turnover. He said, "Thank God for DTY because it would have been bad news bears inside that locker room, regardless of how good they played." Shut out, be damned. They weren't going to be very happy with zero turnovers. So, um, I, you have to be happy if you're Oklahoma. But there is a lot we can learn going forward with this team. Um, what what was your take, guys, on the secondary? I know they didn't get challenged a whole lot, but the rotations, the players, the talent, in comparison to twenty nineteen, Colin, we'll start with you. How did you see how do you see that differing now between twenty nineteen? Yeah, I think if anything, I was really encouraged by the safety play. Obviously Delaren Turner Yale hitting one of the twenty four. That's a really big deal. They got to hit that 24 mark this season to really accomplish what Grinch wants to do. And I mean, without Parnell Molly, I was, I was encouraged by what Trey Brown was able to do, but I think Pat Fields and Blair and Turner Yale were solid in coverage or whatever they were asked to do in the back end. I think there was also a little bit of a false reputation for Delarin these past few seasons him being more of a box safety than an actual true safety. And maybe that was a little bit debunked, I would say, when he missed the Peach Bowl and then Oklahoma gets utterly torched by LSU. But then he comes in this time around. I thought he played really, really well. I thought Pat, who's now a team captain, played really, really well. And so obviously Trey Brown being a cornerback, Jaden Davis had a pretty decent outing. Some of those other young cornerbacks were very encouraging. But I think the safeties now heading into their junior seasons are really going to take that step forward. And I think they showed that on Saturday's game. And so if they can be the, st- the stabling factor for this defense in the back end and make sure that nothing gets over the top and they can provide some of those turnovers and leadership, I mean, you really have to like what they're going to be able to accomplish, even with Parnell Motley leaving a pretty solid defensive backfield. Yeah, no doubt. You, you know, you've, to, to me, you, you've, kind of starting to develop some veterans back there, especially at that safety position. Trey Brown's a safety at the cornerback spot. And I just think that the depth of this unit is continuing to get increasingly better, guys. Like, you hear how much that Alex Grinch has talked about. You know, we don't want to just play 11 guys. We want to be able to play 22. And we want to be able to feel like, you know, there's 22 guys that – we're able to play, we're able to play them because they can play at a winning football level. And I'm, I feel like that is becoming more the case in this secondary. I just really do. Uh, last year, you know, you looked and we talked about so much Ronnie Perkins being out, but to me, 
like Delary and Turner Yell being out for that game was so so costly. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. they just had no answers uh, in, in the the pass game for LSU. And uh, to me, he's a, a critical piece to this defense. Fields is as well, but uh, I'm starting to feel better about uh, kind of the depth in the guys behind them as well. No, I think you guys all touched on some really good points. The suspensions is something we haven't really talked about and discussed. Uh, The return of Jaden Hazelwood in late October, early November is another thing that is potentially there for Oklahoma going forward. Uh, So this team is going to get better as the year goes on and deeper with really, really good talent. Trajan Bridges, Ramondre Stevenson, Ronnie Perkins, Jaden Hazelwood. You return four guys of that talent level. That's big. That's huge. Um, and, and and not to mention the fact that Oklahoma is going to get better and they're going to return everybody in the 2021 season for the most part. That this 2021 Oklahoma squad could be really scary moving forward. Uh, Justin Harrington, Caleb Kelly coming back. I mean, uh, what was it? The Roy Manning and we reported it uh, like a week week or two prior to Roy Manning saying this on OU Insider, but we reported that most people thought that Justin Harrington was going to stay at Oklahoma. He'd have to come back next year and play, right? Because he tore his ACL, but his talent level, everybody talked about his NFL, like ridiculous because he looks like a, he's a cornerback, but he looks like a linebacker at 6'4", 220, and he runs a legit 4'3". And Roy, Roy Manning came on there and said, Dude, that guy's not going to be around here very long if he plays anything like he did uh, to start the practice because he was really good. And that that that's another thing Oklahoma has going for it. The depth. The guys are starting to look the part of the secondary. Not, there's not a lot of short guys starting to show up back there, especially as far as the rotation goes. Joshua Eaton, 6'2", 6'3". Um, even Trey Norwood's longer. He's about 6'5", 6'. Trey Brown's 5'11". Uh, Delarian Turner, Turner yells 5'11", 6 foot. Uh, Pat Fields is 5'11", 6 foot. So the days of, and Jaden Jaden Davis is what, 5'10", 5'11". The days of these 5'8", 5'9", cornerbacks, they're gone at Oklahoma. And I think that is something that Oklahoma fans have craved. And Grinch and Manning have recruited towards that. And you're starting to see these guys that look the part and actually have the speed and physicality to play the part and play the man and really do the things that they're asked to do, whether it's playing man to man, whether it's playing down, down the lane, inside the box, covering the run, doing all sides, all those types of things that Oklahoma hasn't had in the secondary in years. And that is something that is going to help Oklahoma, especially with the front seven. I mean, you saw the youth, you saw Benito, you saw Grimes, you saw, uh, uh, Perry and Winfrey, you saw uh, Isaiah Thomas, you saw all those guys play really well, Stokes, and you add Jalen Redmond next year, you add Ronnie Perkins later on throughout this. That's scary, scary, scary for opposing teams as far as what Oklahoma has. There's a lot of NFL talent on the defense. Now you got to put it together. You just have to put it together. If you don't put it together, it's just talk. And that's the thing that we have uh, seen a lot of Oklahoma in the past is talk, oh, look how talented we are. Look how well we've recruited. And it never shows up on the field. And now you're starting to see some of the things show up on the field. And I think that's where Oklahoma fans get a little excited. But again, it's an FCS team. 
you need to see it against conference play. And I think that's where we're headed now. I guess finally, guys, one game, two predictions, and I want to get your predictions on this. Will Rattler be in New York? I know it's one game FCS. And two, can Oklahoma be in the playoffs? I would say Rattler will be in New York. I don't think that's much of a doubt, (laughs) especially when you consider not only what he's been able to put forth, but also probably the talent pool that is available with this new college football thing. Now, the Big Ten, it may be backtracking, so keep an eye on it, folks. But at the same time, even if the Big Ten re-enters the picture, I still think Rattler has all the talent in the world to get to New York. Mm -hmm. That being said, the playoff factor, I definitely feel like OU has a shot to make the playoff, but the Big 12 showing this weekend, Mm -hmm. it did not help at all and look i i understand that a lot of people throughout especially the big 12 kind of feel like these non-conference games don't mean much at all but i would argue they mean more now than ever before i mean knowing the college football playoff committee and what it values that extra data point is something that it really points an emphasis on and for a lot of these teams to go out there and just not show up against lower level competition I mean, the Sun Belt completely owned the Big 12 over the weekend, and I have to believe that's going to factor in. It's not fair to Oklahoma by any stretch because Oklahoma is an incredibly talented football team just in a conference that doesn't do it much justice. That being said, at the end of the day, it's incredibly easy to do the whole comparison game, especially when it comes to, say, the Big 12 and maybe the SEC. So it's something for me to keep an eye on moving forward. If the conference as a whole doesn't really step up its game around Oklahoma, that could be something that might actually keep the Sooners out, especially when it's easier now to put two teams from one conference in. You know what? It's kind of twofold for me. Like I agree with everything that Colin said there. And in saying that, like, I came away from yesterday thinking there's a much better chance that Oklahoma is going to be able to run this league. Like, Kansas State and Iowa State, now we see these uh, this these kind of things with these two teams. A lot of times they start slow, and, uh, like, Iowa State didn't play well in its opener last year and was a very formidable team. Mm-hmm. And as the course of the season went on, so that tends to happen. But I think – for me, like the other way to look at look at it, I guess, is that, yeah, you feel better about your chances of Oklahoma beating both of those teams. And now who are we really looking at as teams that can uh, knock off OU? Because I said uh, previously that that trip to Lubbock looked tough. The Houston Baptist lost by two points to Texas Tech yesterday. <laughs> and so, you know, that trip doesn't look nearly as difficult. I understand it's one game. These early season games are going to be a bit of a crapshoot just based on the situation and um, how many players are out and kind of the situation, game planning and things like that. But to me, it's Texas, it's TCU, and it's Oklahoma State. And I feel like Oklahoma is uh, better than those three teams. They've won the league the last several years. I believe in them. And so there's fewer stumbling blocks, I guess. Now, your conference isn't going to look as strong. So if you stumble against one of those teams, like Colin said, that really becomes a problem. Exactly. No, I, you guys made some really good points. I I tend to agree with Colin that no matter what, as long as Rattler does what most feel an Oklahoma quarterback is going to do, 
New York or at least some sort of invite, whether it's Zoom or whatever it is in the cards for um, Spencer Rattler at the end of the season when it comes to the Heisman. Um, winning it, you got to feel like Trevor Lawrence is going to stay the leader. But outside of that, I don't know. Uh, lastly, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I feel like the playoffs is something that you have to have good teams around you. You can't have bad stuff happening left and right. So uh, as far as teams losing to crap, crap teams, as far as, I mean, I don't want, I mean, that's exactly what it is. FCS teams aren't exactly great teams and you have Coastal Carolina taking it to Kansas. I mean, taking it to Kansas. That's an awful look. I know it's Kansas, but it's still an awful look for the, the Big 12. You have a G5 program really dominating K-State for the most part. K-State took a lead at the end, gave it up, ended up losing at the end of the game to Arkansas State. Yes, Arkansas State's a good G5 team, but it's still a G5 team. You're a P5 program. You're supposed to be better than they are regardless, especially if you're middle-tier P5 program. Then you have an FCS team playing the uh, playing the uh, top uh, – one of the top teams at least uh, in the – well, not top teams, but one of the top-tier teams in the Big 12, middle-of-the-road teams in Texas Tech – and only losing by two, like at in Texas Tech was at home, and it was Houston Baptist, right? I read that right, right? Houston Baptist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, look, hey, let me say something real quick. I, not to actually lighten the load on the Red Raiders, but I've now seen a couple of games from Bailey Zappi, the Houston Baptist quarterback. I'm telling you right now, man, that dude can ball. That being said, Houston Baptist team is in, in general, <laughs> they're awful. I mean, they are atrocious. Zappy can play, so I'm going to let the Red Raiders off a little bit there. But still, winning by two and only putting up the point total that they did, that was pretty concerning to me in its own right. Oh, it was awful. Houston Baptist, like, when I, I, I think I, I had Texas Tech as like a lock to cover, right? Yeah. It was I, awful. Dude, North Texas scored 57 points on that Houston Baptist squad the week prior. I mean, something to keep in mind. Seth Luttrell uh, is making Matt Wells look pretty rough right now. Yeah, that's that's just a bad look. And then finally, I, I, I do think Oklahoma will make the playoffs as long as they win out. I think that's the key. I think the winning out is the key. If you don't win out, I think one loss is not going to – this isn't going to be a year that a one-loss Oklahoma team is going to make the playoffs. I think we can all agree on that, right? Yeah, I, Joey, it'd be interesting to see what you say, but I think Georgia losing Jamie Newman and apparently reports coming out of camp that JT Daniels is not exactly the quarterback that they expected. To me, that kind of opens a window, but it also allows Florida the real opportunity that everyone thinks they've had up until this point in the preseason. And so when you consider the fact it's still very real, the SEC has two or three squads that can make that window of opportunity in the top four. Notre Dame, if they go one loss in the ACC, who knows, man? I mean, Oklahoma, to me, you got to run the table, especially when, like I said, it's going to be really easy for the college football playoff committee to put two teams from one conference like the SEC or ACC if they feel like they've seen a better sample size. Well, I'd almost say, it, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch by any means to say it would be surprising if 
two SEC teams are not in the college football playoff. We're yeah. assuming that Ohio State doesn't get up and running here in the next few weeks. Of Ohio State, the Big Ten, um, and Ohio State, an obvious national championship contender if the Big Ten does get up and running. But um, And I think you bring up a great point, too. Notre Dame and Clemson could end up being a real mm-hmm. problem. Like, if those two teams do end up having to play twice and they split somehow – uh, to me, an uh, one-loss Oklahoma probably is not going to get in over either of those two teams. It is, that's just how it's going to be uh, by the nature of the situation. So, yeah, w- w- win your games. It's more important. Uh, may, I mean, I, I don't know more important than this year, but uh, based on the strength of the Big 12 right now, it certainly looks like it might be a bust. It's it's an absolute must, especially the way things started out now. Granted, uh, Oklahoma State can come out and do what they – I guess they're going to make the game up next week against uh, against the uh, uh, Tulsa, Tulsa Hurricanes. Yeah, so um, if as long as they dominate that, that, that's a good look for Oklahoma. And who is Baylor open up with? Does anybody know? So Baylor – Obviously, it was going to try and play the season opener against Louisiana Tech. That game got postponed due to some COVID outbreaks, but it is official. Baylor's going to be playing Houston in its season opener this upcoming weekend. Those are the two Big 12 games in action. TCU has yet to finalize its situation. So you're going to get to see Oklahoma State and Baylor this weekend, what they can bring to the table. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's in, in the, the, as long as those teams – you know, perform somewhat decently, I think, and win, you would think that that'll at least give the Big 12 a better look going forward because something's got to happen after what Kansas, Iowa State, and Texas Tech did this past weekend. I mean, that just, it doesn't matter how good Oklahoma and Texas look. That was awful. I mean, I mean, look, right awful. I, I will say it probably would have helped a ton if TCU and SMU would have been able to play that football game on Friday night. And I will say I'm not going to put a loss for Baylor against Houston past it because, I mean, Clayton Toon, Charlie Brewer, that's a quarterback battle. I mean, if Oklahoma State loses to Tulsa, all right, especially after receiving college football playoff hype, go ahead and throw it in, throw in the towel because it's going to be a really bad look in the Big Conference, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt about it. Like at this point, they're 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 the damage has been done, but there's certainly not any more room for a loss like that at this point. Like, the, Scott Oklahoma is uh, they're they're just gonna have to take care of their own business more than ever. I mean, don't don't get in a situation. And we said this so many times. They need to quit relying on other teams to help them out. Win all your games this year and do it for once. <laughs> so are you are you saying Oklahoma needs to stop having that token one loss every year? I, I guess that's exactly what I'm saying here, and and yet it's worked out for them so many times, right? The the month of October has been kind of their stumbling block. Mm-hmm. They have traditionally lost a game over the last decade in October, they come back and they don't lose again. That might, eventually that situation, that 
is going to come back and backfire. At some point, they're not going to get the loss that they need from one of those teams to be able to sneak back into the playoff, and this year could certainly be the year. Okay, so the, the shocking. Who do you all think would be a shocking team, I guess, to make the playoffs? Uh, obviously, everybody thinks it's Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, right? Like, those are the three that everybody kind of has chalked in there. Um, LSU, what did they lose, like 17 starters? And now, I guess, the team, from reports that are out there, they're not liking Orgeron all too much right now because of, I guess, they don't like how he handled the social justice stuff and crap like that. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I've, I've heard lots of rumblings about that. Um, so I don't know that they're going to be the team that they were last year. And I think, to, in my opinion, they caught lightning in a bottle with Joe Burrows and how everything just happened to land perfectly for him. I don't know that they can rehash that losing, obviously, uh, Joe uh, Brady, Joe Burrows, all the wide receivers. And then you have, uh, what's his face off to the wide receiver off to now? Um, crap, I just went blank. Um, help me out here. Wide receiver just opted out for LSU. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Chase. Yeah, Jamar yeah. Chase. Jamar Chase opting out of the Blitnikoff winner. So there's a lot of problems going on in Baton Rouge as far as the 2020 season goes. Now, who do you all see as like a an outcast? Is Notre Dame a potential outcast? In Georgia, you discussed them. What about Florida? Um, what about what about um, we I, we we know there's not going to be two there's not going to be two big 12 teams. We all kind of assume it's going to be two SEC teams, right? Or two ACC teams. And even the ACC is normally worse than the big 12, but the fact that Notre Dame is in that conference now kind of gives them a leg up. Uh, what about Clemson, Notre Dame, maybe, I don't know, Florida. What about Miami? What about Miami? My, my big thing here is North Carolina, North Carolina, is dodging Clemson this year in the regular season. Mm, good point. If they if they even slip up just once to Clemson in the championship game, but they look really good the rest of the way, then maybe the Tar Heels get in there because they have a really good quarterback. Mac Brown is the kind of head coach you want in the playoff for not only schematic reasons, but from a headliner perspective. Mm-hmm. The Tar Heels have a squad that would be really intriguing to see for their first ever college football playoff appearance. And the way it pans out, if I remember correctly, I think Notre Dame is probably the one matchup that really concerns you on the schedule. They didn't look great week one against Syracuse, but at the same time, they have some really good talent on the roster that if they can figure it out, the Tar Heels have a shot this year to make the college football playoff. That, 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 that's, a good, that's a good outsider pick. That's a very good outsider pick. Um, I uh, North Carolina is going to be a team to reckon with in the future. People need to get that in their heads. There, there's not a lot of people recruiting at the level that they're recruiting at. Mac Brown knows how to build the program, and he's going to whoever follows him up is going to have that thing set and set up well, like very, very well. North Carolina could be a football school, believe it or not, here pretty soon. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's, How about that? That's weird. I got Central Carolina. No, hey, their their unis are awesome, though, man. They have some of the prettiest uniforms in all college football. I love those. the one domino to create the whole jump man effect in the world of college football, man, and they're benefiting from it right now. Absolutely. Well, that's 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 MJ's home. So, I mean, they're going to benefit it more than everybody else. 
Uh, I guess that, that that's going to do it for us. I know we talked, we, we jumped around a little bit. Um, playing Missouri State people doesn't give us a lot of <laughs> stuff to talk about. Um, but the one thing we do have going is there is a season going for Oklahoma and there is recruiting going on. We've been covering recruiting pretty hefty on and Colin's doing great with basketball. Uh, Joey is always on the team stuff each and every day. I'm on the team and recruiting stuff. Uh, RJ throws his hat in once or twice, three, four times a week uh, with a couple of really good write-ups. And we have a 60% off going right now for $42. You get nearly $120 worth in value. So you can't beat that. That ends at midnight on Monday. That's an opening weekend deal. And then it goes back to nearly $120 for a whole year or $1 for the first month, $9.95 for the rest of the time. So look, if you, all haven't, if you haven't been a member of OU Insider, we would love to have you. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of members are already on there. It's fun. We talk, we banner, we chat, we answer questions. We give information, insider information, source team notes, source recruiting notes each and every single day from two or three of us each and every day. So come join us. It's fun. Uh, I know we've been the second or third fastest growing 247 site for the past couple of years. We'd like to continue that trend. And it's all thanks to you, Sooner fans, for being awesome. Uh, so from beyond, from behalf of myself, on behalf of myself, Colin and Joey and RJ, I want to thank you guys for being members and for listening to this podcast, guys. Any last closing words? Sign up. Come join us on OUinsider.com. It's going to be a really fun season. And the Big 12 in general better step it up because I am. <laughs> yes, Fair sir. The, ba- the Big 12 better uh, better step it up or else, hey, you know what? Oklahoma doesn't really care if they win all their games, right? Isn't that kind of what I'm on record saying? Now they better win their games. So, come on. Let's see. I'm with you guys. As long as they win, I think they're in. But you got to win out. Or if you don't win out, you're out. That's basically how how it goes. So, um, guys, appreciate y'all joining us. Kyler Murray, guys. Kyler Murray just led the uh, Cardinals to a victory. Yeah, he did. Wow. Big time. Big time. So, uh, thank you all. Join OUinsider.com. This is the uh, post-game podcast. Oklahoma won 48-0 over Missouri State. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Have a good day.